But um, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. That's where we're going to be camping this morning. Matthew chapter 18. I see these guys, the ushers, uh, ready to chuck one. I mean, pass one to you here this morning. Um, if you need a Bible, just make a little eye contact, raise a hand. I'm sure they'd love to put one in your hands. I want to look at this portion of Scripture. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time right around verses 15 through 20, though I'm going to refer to pretty much the entirety of the chapter at some point in time. The, the, the main objective here is to talk about the idea of offense. It's a swell topic, right? Uh, but I was, uh, it was funny, I was listening to a, uh, uh, a speaker, a pastor, uh, uh, he was at a well-known Christian college giving a commencement speech to their graduating class here recently. And uh, he, he quoted some study. I don't know what the study was, so I can't share that with you. But he, he, he said to these graduate, graduating class, he said to them, only 10% of you will be on fire for Jesus by the time you reach age 50. And that hit me pretty hard. He said, it doesn't mean that you're going like, to fall away from the Lord. You're not going to be walking with the Lord. He just said it, it means you're not going to be passionately pursuing God's calling upon your life by the time you reach age 50. And he said, one of the greatest things that will hamper your life, your marriage, your ministry, is your inability to overcome offense. And, and you know, he's right. And he went on to say that, you know, a small percentage, you will walk away from the Lord altogether. He didn't give a number, but he said a small percentage, you, you will. And I can relate. I, I remember it was just a, a good number of years ago, but, you know, I'm thankful it's a, a ways back in my rearview mirror. But I remember a season of life in ministry, pastoring a church and, and uh, you know, going through, I was, I was going through a season of betrayal and criticism, false accusations and, and this sort of, it was one of those times. Not just criticism. I'm due criticism. We are all due criticism, right? Because I am fallen. I haven't gotten my act together quite yet, right? But this is one of those other seasons when, when the things that were coming at me weren't from reality and weren't, you know, from the Lord to me to deliver to my heart because of something I had done. And, and I was, you know, in those seasons. And, 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 and I remember just as it happened, I was walking through the hallway of the church that I was pastoring at the time with my wife, and I just grabbed her and was like, and I tried to muster all the confidence I could and said, I think we're going to make it. I, honestly, but I, knew, I didn't know in my heart if we were. Honestly, I didn't know in my heart if we were going to continue making it in the ministry. If this is, and during that season, I was just, why? Why, Lord? Why, would, why this pain? Why, why bother? Uh, poor Mimi's just started to set and the pity party started to set. Why bother doing, I'm giving my life for these people. I'm doing all this and this and that. And I started listing all these things because the Lord obviously didn't know and needed me to remind him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I'm telling him all these things. And, and, and I just remember, like, oh, I think I lied to my wife. I don't know that we're going to make it. But I went to a conference uh, just a short time later. And at this conference, this, uh, this, shall we say, seasoned pastor, uh, that's another, that's an, a, a euphemism for old. 
<laughs> he's an old, crusty, seasoned pastor. I love this man. His name's Lewis Neely. He's well stricken in age, as King James might say. And, uh, and he... But he just says it like it, he, he means it and like you need to hear it. And he's sitting up there and he's preaching it and he's talking about endurance and going through trials and through pain and, 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 and going through offense. And, he's, and I'm sitting close to the front and you, have, you know those times when, when, when you know you think the message is for you and you feel like the pastor's looking at you. You know what I'm talking about when you feel like it? No, he's literally looking at me like in the front row. He's looking at me like I'm, not, I'm literally looking at me. And he, said, and he said, literally, he said, someone in this room needs to hear it as he's staring at me. You just need to know you're going to make it. <laughs> and and, and he's, he went on, Jesus is worthy of what you're going through. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You need to know that. And I just stood up right there in the middle. That's me. It's me. <laughs> it was me. No, I didn't do that part. I could have. There's 1,100 other pastors. I didn't want to embarrass myself, but that was, that was a season. That was a season I went through, and, and, and here's the thing. When we're going through those seasons, we have to determine whether we're going to fear man or whether we're going to fear God. We're going to have to determine whether we're going to follow God or follow our emotions. If we are going to fulfill God's calling, his ministry for our life, then we are going to have to choose God's plan. We're going to have to be able to overcome and even overlook offense. You hear what I'm saying? Whether this is in your marriage, whether it's your ministry, we're going to have to decide to follow, to, to follow the Lord. Listen to this. An offense is an event being offended is a choice. An offense is an event. That's going to happen. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to me. But being offended is a choice. What you do with that is on you. It's on me. So how about this? Let's, let's do this. Would you stand with me? I want to read Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 20. And then we'll pray. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 20. You guys can, can just read along in your, in your mind, and your heart, and, uh, and I, I might be reading from a different version. So I believe this is uh, either, honestly, it's New King James or ESV. I don't even recall which one I, I did here. Uh, pardon me for that. But verse 15, moreover. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear, then, then tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him to be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosened again, uh, loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. 
For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we lift up to you, Pastor Tim, right now. We're thankful for his faithful stewardship and his faithful service to the body of Christ. We pray for just a, a fresh filling of your spirit, your hand to be upon he and his bride and his family as they are away, Lord. And uh, just use him mightily here to spur on this congregation, this church family, this, this body that you have placed here in Richmond for the, such a time as this, Lord, to spur them on to love and good deeds, Lord. Lord, we lift up to you the, the, this portion of Scripture. May it have its place in our hearts, Lord. For whatever we are going through, Lord, whatever we need, Lord, you know. You know what we need. And, and I pray that it would find its target in us, Lord. To whatever degree, to whatever shade or hue, Lord, you paint the canvas. We are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. I, I love this chapter. It really sets up this little... Uh, this little... Uh, uh, you know, speech, this little uh, talk that Jesus gives here. All of this chapter kind of leads up to it because there's several opportunities of, of offense that have taken place in the preceding verses. And, uh, you know, in, in verses 1 through 5, we heard, if you were to, to look, you can write it down and look later, but in verses 1 through 5, the, the disciples are kind of arguing amongst themselves, who's the greatest arises in the midst of them. And we're told in chapter 17 and the other corollary passages in, in uh, Luke chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, that some of these guys were privy to a special message or a special time with Jesus. They went to a place called the Mount of Transfiguration. Only a handful of them, though. All right, just a few of them went. And evidently, that, the other guys were jealous Evidently, you can just kind of hear the conversations. They came back and were like, oh, the special guys are back now. The Jesus click, man, well, what do we got to do to be a part of the special crowd? How come we weren't invited? Okay, has anybody heard that recently? A little clickishness can happen. It's not the clicks that I'm, I'm so concerned about. It's those who are frustrated and, 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 and complaining and have this heart of discontentment. But, but this, this arises in their midst, and all of a sudden there's this, this argument that's breaking out in the midst of the disciples. Who's the greatest? Who's going to sit on your right hand and on your left hand? What's the order going to be in, in all of this, this sort of thing? Hashtag pity party. Hashtag we're offended. Jesus responds to their inquiry later in the chapter, and he brings a child in front of him and says, Hey, guys. You need to put that aside. You need to, to pursue me like this child. If you want to come to me, the greatest in the kingdom is like this child. And, and, and that, he's not talking about the simplicity. That, that may be implied, but he's speaking about the humility, the humility of the child. The child is not intimidating. The child is not demanding. He's not there, you know, seeking a position in the kingdom. That's the inference here in the text. How many of you are intimidated of, five year, of a five-year-old in a dark alley, right? That's not the picture he's trying to paint. He's trying to paint they come humbly. They're not there with an org chart and, and demanding to be promoted. 
You need to come to me. And he doubles down on it because later in verses 6 through 9, he says, if you want to offend one of these, you might as well tie a millstone around your neck. That's like a 500-pound stone, by the way, and toss yourself into the depths of the sea. So Jesus is addressing both those who are offended and those who are offending. And Jesus himself uses some inflammatory, offensive language to, to, to make this point. So, uh, you know, so as we look at this text, we have all of these opportunities, all of these things that have already arisen. And and I want to answer the question before we get too far into this and and just talk about the gospel implications. What is, how does this work? How does this play out in our life? And why offense? Why is offense part of our, our experience here on planet Earth? Why do we have to go through such things? And Jesus actually gives us the first reason for offense uh, in verse 7 of this chapter. For those of you who are note takers, Jesus said, for offenses must come. I don't know if that on, do we have these on the screen? Are we... Jesus said, for offenses must come. Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. They're inevitable. They are imminent. The word used here in verse 7 in the original language is scandalon. That's where we get our word scandal, scandalous, right? It, it, it means a trap, a snare, a stumbling block, an offense, right? In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust. These things are going to happen. The second reason why we go through offense is Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, hopefully also on the screen, Peter said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. In, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, our enemy's agenda is to lie, kill, and destroy. I just want to share this with you guys. James chapter 2 tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the Father of lights. And I just want you to know what you're enjoying right now. This church family, it's a gift. The marriages that you are in right now, whether you think so or not, they are a gift. The children you have, the friendships you have, they are a gift. It may not always feel like it. It's always fraught with challenges, but they are a gift. And I want to emphasize this now and maybe for your remembrance later and this morning. The body of Christ is a gift. It is a privilege. It's not something to be taken for for granted. There may be one on every street corner, but it is a gift. And the third reason why offense comes, and this is not, there's not a scripture verse to uh, uh, you know, pen this to, however, it is inferred here in our text and inferred other places. The closer the relationships that we have, the greater the opportunity for offense. The closer the relationship, nobody can hurt you like those you've given your heart to, right? Nobody can hurt you like those you've given your heart to. These guys have been walking together with Jesus for a period now. They're close, they're, they're buddies, they're, they're palling around with the Lord, so, so they're hurt. 
And no one is, has greater opportunity or has greater proximity to our hearts like those who we're close to. So, so Matthew's account really sets us up well. Okay, there's lots of little vignettes of, of, of offense that have taken place leading up to this. And now he's moving into this area in our text in verses 15 through 20 where, where we're going through this little program, as it were. If you've been a believer for more than like three months, you've probably heard of the term church discipline. Okay, it's not something we use very often. It's probably underused, but it, thankfully it's not something that we use. I can only recall a handful. Two, honestly, I had a couple times that I've ever had to be a part of something like this in all of my years of pastoring, which goes back a little ways, but um, about 15 years. So I just praise God that this isn't something normal. But this is a step-up program. We, and you, you're going to see phase one. God gives us little, little, little phases to go through. If you go through phase one, and we'll see what that is, then, then things work themselves out. And I don't have a statistic for you. We don't have this mapped out. You know, pastors don't take a survey. But I would venture a guess that 90 to 95% of all offenses take place and get resolved in step one. By the time you get to step two, the other 4% get resolved. Then there's like a, a little tiny half percent or a, a portion of a percent that make up the rest of that. And, and that's what we're dealing with. And that's what we're going to talk through what this looks like and how to deal with this. But before we, we go, we, we, we're, let's start to unpack this, this passage a little bit. And, and as we do so, I want to talk about what is and what is not an offense. Let's t- talk about what is and what is not an offense. Notice in verse 15, he says, when a brother sins against you. When a brother sins against you. So first of all, it's a sin. Okay, it's a sin. It's a transgression. The word used here in our text is harmatano. It means to err. It means to miss the mark. It means to wander from the path. And notice that it is personal. It's against you. It's when they have sinned against you. Let me tell you a little bit about what this is not, though. We've talked about what it is, and we're going to come back to what it is. But let's talk about what it is not. What it is not is gossip. It's not when somebody's told you that something else happened to somebody else. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? This is not when... You know, sister so-and-so told me such-and-such happened to somebody else. That's not what this is. Whether they use the, the, a, a blatant, obvious example of gossip or when they use Christianese and, and use, well, hey, um, pray about such-and-such because I heard, right? That's Christianese. That's spiritual talk for, hey, I'm gossiping about other people, but I want to sound real spiritual and righteous and religious, all right? That's what that is. That's gossip. It's not that. That's impersonal. That's not against you. That's about somebody else. It's not that. It's also not impersonal sin. What do you mean by that? In other words, if, it, it, if it's not a third party, this is against you. This is not any old sin that you see somebody else doing. There is a way of dealing with that. But it's not Matthew 18. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Uh-huh. All right. Sorry, y'all are so affirming most of the time. So when I don't hear something, I'm like, 
did I say it wrong? What happened? You know, and, and, and I'm high maintenance. I'm a high maintenance pastor. I apologize. But it's not impersonal. It's not just some any old, you know, sin that you see in any old Christian's life and say, I better rebuke them. I better let them know and let them know that if they don't figure it out, I'm taking it before the church. I'm taking it before the pastor. We're doing Matthew 18, buddy. You better get it right. That's not here. Can you imagine if we attended a church like that? We had to rename the church. First Church of the Magnifying Glass. We're the sin-sniffing church. You come in, we got a ruler by the door, make sure your skirts are a certain length, your hair's done a certain way, your breath's not too bad. We, we're going to check you out. We're going to blow breathalyzers and everything when you come in here. That's, that's a way to die a very lonely, miserable person. And that's not to be the mark of a church. Now, listen, there is a way to handle that. When we see a brother trapped in sin. There is a means by which we do that. And for those of you who are note takers, please write this down. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. You who see a brother overtaken in a fault, restore such a one gently, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You who are spiritual, this isn't to be done by a novice. It's something, and you could to do it gently. The word there is one that is, it means to set a bone. You don't want Nurse Ratchet taking care of you, right? <laughs> Rub some dirt on it, you'll be okay. Boom, kick you out the door. No, this is to be done by those who are spiritual, who are considerate, who are humble, considering themselves, lest they also be tempted. There's a way to go about that. And this might be worth another sermon, but I, don't, I can't talk about that for now. But we're talking about direct offense that has happened against you. It's, it's not impersonal offense. It's not a bad choice. You know, sometimes we make bad investments. Sometimes we invest in relationships that weren't what they were supposed to be or what we had hoped they would be. We go through a breakup. This isn't to wag your finger on your friend. I told you not to do that. Some of us spend too much money going fishing or buying shoes or whatever. This may not, this may, that may be sin. I don't, that's between you and the Lord. And, and, and you know, if, you could, if you're being called out right now, I had nothing to do with it. Nobody told me about you. I'm just, it's not even in my notes. But this isn't about preferences. This isn't about a liberty that you enjoy that somebody else may not enjoy. We all have our liberties that God's given us. This is dealing with specific sin. And if you want to, these may be worth talking about. We have some liberties that we all enjoy. There's our entertainment liberties, right? Some of you will go watch a PG-13 movie and have all the liberty to do so you want to. But there's some of you wouldn't watch that, wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. No way I'm going to watch that movie. No way. I don't want... Okay, that's all right. They went and watched it. Don't be sin-sniffing and, and, and judging and bringing them up on charges before the church. That's just not the, that's not the thing. There's holiday liberties that we all enjoy. Some of us grew up in a very rigid religious home and, and won't celebrate certain holidays or any holidays at all. And some of us enjoyed every single... And we, in fact, we invent holidays. 
to celebrate. I put my Christmas tree up on November 1st. I kid you not. If my wife lets me get away with it. I have to put that asterisk there because the last couple years I got shot down. But anyhow, we invent holidays and we, get, we go all in for them. And not everybody enjoys this. If, if you, that's, that's a gray area. I'm sorry. That's not a, a, a liberty. I'm talking about direct, personal. Jesus said, this is a sin against you personally, not a liberty that somebody enjoys. This is not unmet expectations. <laughs> How many of y'all came into your marriage with some, unmet or some unreasonable expectations that you had to work out through the last 5, 15, 25 years, right? Y'all all laughing. Y'all, some of y'all just got elbowed in the ribs right now. I saw. I saw. Y'all going to have some conversation when you get home today. It's going to be fantastic. But we bring those to ministry, too. We bring them to our marriage. We bring them to our kids. Some of us, you know, I feel bad for our firstborn. Man, we expect them to be perfect. We thought we were going to be the perfect parents. We're going to make the perfect human being. Watch this. I'm going to write a book on this. Nope, didn't happen. By the time we had our fourth, you go do what you want. I don't care. You're fine. God will take care of you. God, get her. But we bring expectations. And this is not between non-believers, okay? This is not, this is, this is about brothers and sisters in the church. I'd love to see you bring some charges against somebody at work and then try to bring them to church. I'm going to talk, I'm taking you before the elders. You took my peanut butter jelly sandwich out of the break room. I'm going to take, elders get it. They don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about your elders. They definitely don't care about your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Forget about it. This is a between those or who are in the church. Let's talk about what offense is. We've talked about what it is not. Let's talk about what it is. This is, this is something against you. These are sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of, everybody know what omission means? It means you're supposed to do something, you didn't do it, you omitted it, you forgot to do it sometimes. Sins of omission, you just said, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this, I'll be there for you, but you let that person down. Sometimes that happens personally and purposefully or accidentally. It's still a sin. If you forgot to do something, that's a sin of omission. Should have been somewhere, you didn't make it. Or somebody, sometimes it's just perceived. Sometimes you just, you know, you, you, you broke down on the side of the road and you see your brother right out of church walk driving by. Hey, I broke down and they just drive right by. Hey, this, this, that's a, I'm offended. They didn't stop, right? Well, maybe they were Facebook live streaming like they should be, right? Or Snapchatting or something. They didn't see you, but you perceived that they, and you were offended. Sometimes these are deeply personal. They're highly sensitive. And again, nobody can hurt you like someone that you've given your heart to. <laughs> I don't have time to go off track here, but I want to, but I'm, I'm going to... <laughs> uh, let, let's 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 talk about how to resolve conflict. Let's let's go there. At, at this point, Jesus starts to break things down and tell us what we're to do 
and, and how we're to go about this. But, but let me say this. Let me say this again. You've, number one, the first thing you need to do is choose. Choose. You've got to choose. You're going to either do things your way or you're going to do things God's way. That's the only two options. You've got to choose to do things God's way. You've got to choose to not be governed by your emotions, not to be governed by the offense. You have to choose God's plan. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is His glory to overlook an offense. You don't have to be offended. You have an option right now to overlook the offense. You don't have to be. You don't have to bring them up on charges at all. Proverbs 12.16 says, A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covers shame. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. Surely love covers a multitude of sin. I think of Abraham. I say that. I, meant, I didn't mean Abraham. I meant Noah. Y'all remember post-flood post Noah? All right, we always remember pre-flood Noah and all that, but remember post-flood post Noah, he mm, had a lot to do, he had a lot going on. I feel for the guy. He had to rediscover farming and all this other stuff, agriculture. Well, evidently, he, he figured out winemaking. Do you remember this? Well, as the story goes, he was sampling his crop, as it were, his product, and, and got a little bit indulged. Next thing you know, he's down in the basement, he's tipsy, he's drunk somehow. I don't know why he's naked, but he is. Well, he's got a son, appropriately named Ham, because he's just hamming it up, man. He is making a, 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 he's just a laugh riot. He's cracking jokes. He's having a good time at his father's expense. He's laughing about it. He's making it known to others. But he has another set of sons, Shem and Japheth. And you know what they did? They grabbed a blanket between them, and they backed into the room, not looking upon their father's shame. And they covered him. Love covers a multitude of sin. And I am so thankful. How many times have you looked at a brother or sister? How many times have you looked at a, a spouse or a child and go, ah, you know what? They're not always going to act like that. They're not going to be that way. I've seen this before. They've gone through it. Obviously, they're having a moment. Praise God, they're not always going to be. They're going to grow. I know they're going to grow. Uh, the, the, God's, got, God's got this. I see him working. I see the progress here. I'm so thankful. How many of you know when you've been on the receiving end of that kind of grace? When somebody's overlooked your offense? When somebody's said, mm, and you knew that you should have been, could have been judged? When somebody could have said something to you and dealt harshly with you, and you would have deserved it, but they covered your sin and they loved you anyway. How many of us have been in that place? Unless the Lord gives you clear, you, sometimes the Lord gives you clear, supernatural, hey, you've been offended, and here's the way I want you to go about it. That happens too. But there are times when we have to choose. 
I'll be very honest with you. I, I, I had to say that because I just don't understand Christians who, who, who pull this, you know, this rank sort of thing. Like, I'm not going to forgive them. I, I don't need to forgive them. I'm not going to go. To, I'm not going to resolve this. I'm offended. They've offended me. They're going to come to me. I, just, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand that kind of Christian. I don't understand that kind of viewpoint. A Christian, I, there, there's no room in the Christian lingo for that. There's no room for you and I to maintain and hold a grudge and be offended like that. Our, the whole crux of our faith, our whole faith revolves around a Savior who bore our offense, who bore our shame, who was offended by us but went to a cross instead. That's our Jesus. That's what we proclaim. That's what we live. We have no right to be offended. We may get offended, but what we choose to do after that is totally on us. We're going to choose. We have to choose to follow Jesus. Offense is an occurrence. To be offended is a choice. So number two, we've got to communicate. If you're offended, communicate. That's, these are the Jesus, words of Jesus. Verse 15 says, go and tell him his fault. Go and tell him or her. The person that you're dealing with may be completely unaware that they've offended you, that they've sinned, that they've, they've done something at all. I, I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm still 50-50 after my wife has clearly made the case of something that I've done. She will break it down Barney style for me. And I'm still 50% like, huh? Really? And that's just the way we are. You at least owe the person this, this, the, the, the kindness, the hospitality of going to them and saying, hey, this is how you have offended me. This is the sin. Please go to them. And then notice the third thing you need to do after you communicate. This is how you communicate. Number three, make it face-to-face. That, that, that's, that's implied in our text here. Go, it says go to them. Go to them earlier uh, in, in, in the, the chapter, in the Sermon on the Mountain, chapter 5, Jesus says, listen, before you go offering those gifts on the altar, listen, I, if you have an offense with somebody, go to them. Drop that off. Go take care of it. Then come back and make the offering. Okay? There's implication here in this text and in plenty of other texts that say that we should try to do this. And, and if some of y'all go, no, 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 I can text. No, I can email. I can, I can handle it. No, look, no, you can't. I'm just telling you, no, you can't. And some of you want to try to use the Bible. Well, look at Paul. Paul wrote all those letters. He rebuked everybody via letter. That's what Paul did. Where did he, he write them letters from again? Oh, that's right. He's in jail. Okay? So if you're in jail, then you have the right to do that. You can send the text message all you want if you're in jail. Oh, yeah. You don't have a phone. Never mind. You're in jail. So go to them face to face. I'm telling you, I mess up all the time. I, I mess up just in common co conversation, much less trying to resolve a conflict. I cause conflicts with text messages. I'm very dry. I'm very instructive in my text. X, Y, Z, one, two, three, make it so, number one, go. 
right? And people are, oh, you're so, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be so direct. That's just the way I, I, I operate. Oh, you could flower it up and put some nice, th- hi, how are you? You know, <laughs> okay, you know, sorry. <laughs> how many of y'all relate to me? You A-type personalities. Y'all like, amen, preach it. It's the way we were built. We've got to think of these things. That's why we have spouses. But notice it also, number four, so we're communicating. This is more on the, on the how to, to, to do this. Number four, do it privately. Jesus said that. Jesus said, go and, and go to him alone. Some of y'all, how many of you are old enough to remember uh, who wants to be a millionaire, right? Read his filming, Right? Some of us, you know, what happened when, when, you, when you got stuck? You get stuck on the options. You had a few things you could do. You could phone a friend. You could pull the 50-50, right? I like to figure you take half the answers away, and, you, and you, then you're stuck. You got to figure it out. Or you could pull the audience, right? Number three, you could pull the audience. And sometimes when some of y'all are offended, y'all do one of the two of those things, right? Phone a friend. Oh, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you. I need you to pat me on the back and tell me it's going to be okay. Agree with me. Oh, yes, 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 yes. They are such jerks. Do you deserve to be offended? No, keep having your pity party. You absolutely should have a pity party for yourself. It's all their fault. Or or, or, or we we pull the audience. What do you think? I'm going to call as many people that I can to affirm the issue and feel good and, and that sort of thing, right? And sometimes we drop this line because we, what we want is for people to go to that person for us, right? We want it to back-channel in and try to resolve this in some back-channel, gossipy way. May that not be in the Christian church. Amen. Go to Him alone, privately. That's the way we're to do things. Why is that? Why? Because that's the way God does things for us. When you sin, God doesn't announce it to the world. How often do we just go to bed at at night and lay our head on the pillow going, Lord, I am so sorry. Or when we say that biting mark and all of a sudden, oh, it stings us. Like, oh, Lord, that was off color. And some of us make apology right then and there. And I hope you are. I hope you're somebody who learns to just say, I'm sorry, right there, not wait, and oh, I better figure this out later. But but you just lay your head, Lord, help me to do that again better tomorrow. Oh, Lord, I've got some some notes to write. I've got some calls. I got to go to a person tomorrow because, man, I done messed up. I done messed up today. And and you know what he says, Matty boy, you're right. It's okay. You're going to do better tomorrow. I'm going to give you a chance to make it up. It's okay. He doesn't say, oh, you did mess up. You're right about that. And I'm going to give a word of knowledge to 25% of the church tomorrow. And they're going to know all about it. And it's going to be fun for you when you walk in. Everybody's going to rebuke you and confront you. It's going to be fun. I'm going to watch this. That's not what he does. God is so private, so kind. So loving to us. And notice uh, uh, how do we resolve conflict? We have to go in with the motive of restoration. We've got to go in with a motive 
of restoration. Notice in verse 15, Jesus said, if this person hears you, then you have gained a brother. That's the attitude. That's the heart. That's the great hope that we all have, that we will have gained them. Not I'm going to bust him down. Not I'm going to try to make him, you know, feel uh, two inches tall. I'm going to rub his nose in it. I'm going in here. No, free from revenge, free from wrath, bitterness, malice. I'm going to this person in order to bring restoration about. I want to, to rescue my brother. So what happens if you go through all that, you go and you have this dispassionate conversation, you talk face-to-face, you communicate passionately, effectively, calmly. I, wanna, I, I just want to add this. I want to add this. Please, please hear my heart for, for, for this as, as you look, think about the motive of restoration. You've got to be willing to wait for a moment. You've gotta, if your motive is restoration, then you've got to be willing to let that marinate. You know what I'm saying? This is a practical application of this. Do not demand that this be fixed this second. You've got to let it marinate. Like I said with my wife, it's 50-50. She, she's clear. She communicates. She's articulate. I'm just hard-headed, and it takes time for my soul to receive because I'm thick-headed. And so are you. Sorry, I don't know you, but I love you. And, and, but you're thick-headed like me. We just all, all in the same boat together. And the, the reality is that you need to let it marinate. But if you keep being, if we're belligerent, and beat that person up. Look, a steam room, right? You've been in a steam room. It is only effective when the door of the steam room is closed, okay? And some of you, Leave the steam room door open of your mouth. And ba 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 And let me tell you this. And let me tell you. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? Are you repenting? Are you getting it? How come? Come on. Say it now. Say I'm sorry. Say I'm... Okay. I'm sorry. Get away from me. You're not even sorry. You just want to stop the argument and get away. Be free from the yelling and the torment. Don't demand. Let the steam room door close. Let your highest and best thoughts come out. Articulate those and let the Lord do the rest. The Holy Spirit wants to bring this about way more than you do. Because God, the Holy Spirit, He wants us to be restored. He wants to convict us of sin and bring us to righteousness. That's what He wants, way more than you want. Because the Spirit's not offended. Maybe grieve, but He's not offended. So you need to remember that it's the Lord who wants to bring this about. Let that steam room door close. So what happens if you do all that and it doesn't work out? Well, welcome to marriage. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. No, no, I shouldn't. I definitely shouldn't say that. We have to settle. We have to. We, listen, we are a reconciling people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Now in all things God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been reconciled to God, therefore we are a reconciling people. We are always about reconciling. We're trying to reconcile the rest of the, the whole wide world. So what happens when, when this doesn't, we, we've tried to, to reconcile, it's not quite working the way, we've done everything we can, we've given it some time, we've given it some space, and now this brother who sinned against me is still not working out. Then it says here in verse uh, 15, and six, pardon me, verse 16, 
But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. That's a good question. What, what, you know, this happens. This happens. We are to be a reconciling people. Some of us come in here not being reconciled even in the midst of, of where we are right now. Some of y'all, you know, came in singing lies this morning. Right? Oh, snap. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to ask judgment on my spouse. <laughs> Will you get them, Lord? Mm, rub their nose in it hard. They've been a jerk all the way to church. <laughs> right? You know, we, we, we just get all frustrated and, 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 and bent out of shape. And, and, and Lord, I told them. And, 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 but here we have to realize, I'm not, I, can't, I don't have time to get into the granular detail in the, of the Old Testament, but just know this, write this down and, and read this later in Deuteronomy. This is what Jesus is referring to. He's referencing Deuteronomy chapter 16 and 17. And the idea of, of these witnesses is to, uh, that, that we may establish the facts regarding the situation here in, a, in this disagreement. It's all about facts. You're not here to, to bring your two best friends with you who are just as mad at this person because you've been gossiping to them. Notice Jesus said witnesses. The implication could be that they actually saw this offense take place in the first place. Or maybe that they've been on the brut, brutish end as well. Maybe you've offended them at the same time during the same type of sin. But you're to take someone, hopefully somebody who's spiritually mature, Wise, has a good reputation, level-headed, Christ-honoring. Why? Not to beat him up with the Bible, not to, 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 you know, beat him up, but the goal is restoration. Again, Deuteronomy, the idea is, is to establish the facts. John Adams said that facts are stubborn things. Whatever may be our wishes or our inclinations or dictates of our passions, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. And, and we just go in here. I just, you know, what we need to hear. I need to, this happened. Yes, oh, it happened that way. Oh, okay, okay. Because let's just be honest. Sometimes when you're close, proximity causes communication to break down. We don't see things. Maybe there's just, we're, we're too similar. We're too in the, the midst of it. And we need that third party to go, no, this is how, I know you think you said it that way, but this kind of, you kind of were raising your voice, or you did this, you did that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know. You just need that third party objectivity. This is what happened. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. I came, I came across that way. Oh. The person who, nine times out of ten, that person wants it. Oh, man, they, they want to know that they've done that. And I want to say this on the flip side of the coin. For those of you, we, all of us, everyone here needs to know that you are going to be the one doing the offending and on the receiving side of this, and you've got to be okay with that. We've got to handle criticism. You and I need to be ready to receive this. Job chapter 5, verse 17 through 18 says, Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he binds up. He shatters, but his hand heals. 
We all know 2 Timothy chapter 3.16. All Scripture is breathed out of God. But, but it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is for our good, you guys. We need this. So we've got to be ready. We have to be ready for people to ask probing questions and not be, oh, you're making a mountain out of a molehill there, you know, and storm away. No, we've got to be able to listen. Okay, I will receive. Let me hear. I'm going to listen dispassionately. I want to discern. Sometimes bad blood gets in the way, history. Sometimes emotions get high. Anybody feel very emotional in the middle of a, of a disagreement? Happens. But what happens when all of this doesn't work out? What happens when you've done step phase one, now we're in phase two, phase two, you've given the proper amount of time, we've brought witnesses in? Again, 99 point whatever, five, nine, I don't know, 99.9% of the time, everything is resolved at this point in time. I can only think of two times in my 15 years serving in, in, in pastoral ministry that we've had to do something more drastic. What happens then? The person is unrepentant. You've brought this before them. They say, no, yes, all those facts are true, and I'm not changing. Too bad. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay. You get there. You get there sometimes. And, 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 and as much as you, you don't want to, as much as you try doing everything you can to be impartial, other voices have been added to the, to the conversation. And this person comes in. What does Jesus say here in our passage? He says, let him be to you as a heathen and a tax collector. That's a metaphor for a non-believer. Somebody who's not in the midst. Somebody who, who, who wouldn't be in assembly. Let's be honest with you. Tax collectors and, and, and heathen don't normally come to the church. They're doing their heathen and tax collector-y things, whatever those things may be, you know, extorting and, you know, robbing people blind. That's what they would be doing, so let them go do that. That's what he's trying to tell them to be. This means that person has lost the right to fellowship. Are you serious? That's exactly what we're saying here. We see this in First and Second Corinthians. Do you recall that? 1 Corinthians 5, you remember that guy showing up to church, no doubt arm around his mother-in-law or stepmother, pardon me, sorry, mother-in-law, that would be even worse. No, I'm sorry. His stepmother, probably posting stuff on Instagram and Facebook, look at me, we're out getting dinner together. That's your stepmom, dude. And the church, here's the church, they were embracing him. Okay, that's fantastic. We're such a loving church. We're such a grace-filled church. We have no concept of sin. We have, it's okay, you live and do as you please in your life. That's who. And Paul said, you know what? I may be hundreds of miles away from here right now, but I'm judging this situation from now. Kick that man out. And they did. 
And by the time, guess what? Here's the glorious thing. By the time we get to 2 Corinthians, guess what? God had done his work in that man's life. It brought about repentance. And the brother was welcomed back into fellowship. He didn't want to hear it. And, and here's the, the, the dreaded thing. There's 150 churches probably in the next five-mile radius. So you get here and you get your nose all crinkled up because somebody says something to you. You don't even allow step two to come. You don't allow step three to come. Why? Because, oh, yeah, well, I'm mm, 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 too bad. I'm, I'm going to the church down the street. Man, that's just sad. And that's the option. You just go and disappear, and then you wait six months and hope that thing, everybody forgets it over at Crowder Chapel Richmond and the, and the church down the street. Oh, okay, and everybody welcomes you with open arms. Meanwhile, you've got a wake of, of bodies in your midst, a wake that you've just ran over, trampled over, didn't seem to resolve. You see them in Walmart, and hope they don't talk to me. It's awkward. Why? Because we chose not to, to, to resolve it. And it says to teach them, to, 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 that doesn't mean we're rude with them. It means that they're, you treat them as an unbeliever. They come to your midst. Hey, you know, it, it means they shouldn't be partaking of communion. Hey, no, no bro, I just, I'm, I'm very purposeful. Communion is for believers. You know, if anything, hey, you need to be baptized. You need, we need to talk to you about the Lord and repentance. No, 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 I'm past that. Look, then you know what? Why don't you take a break from church for a while? Because this is what you say, but this is what you're doing. This is what the Lord says, but this is what you're doing. You don't want anything to do with the Lord, so why don't you just not be here until you choose to do things God's way? Because to whom much is given, much is required. And you say this way. If this is a non-believer, there's no, this isn't the case. You know what I mean? We don't hold the world to these standards, but those who proclaim the name of the Lord, judgment starts in the house of the Lord. This is what we do. And there's plenty of people. There's people in this church who've come to our churches, your church, and, and say, you know what? There's nothing you can do. I've done this. I may have done this to my family. I may have done this to my wife. I may have done this to my husband. But there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, yes, there is. You're out. You are now a cancer to the body of Christ. This process is the immune system, the immunity system that God has given us. And if you choose not to do this, you won't have a church. You may have doors that are open, but in two weeks, two months, or maybe even two years, you will not have a church if you will not use the immunity system that God has given us. Because you'll have a church that proclaims the name of Christ, but is far from Him, that does not walk in the fear of the Lord. And that's what is being dealt with here. You still love this person. You're kind. It doesn't mean that you can't have any dealings with them or talk to them. That's not what this is saying. And again, let's back up here. This is that 0.00009% of the time. Most of the time, this has already re re resolved itself in all of the other steps. This is in that very small percentage of the time. And that's the big encouragement for most of us is to deal with things in, that, in this area. But the attitude as we go to this, as we wrap things up here this morning, is to consider, consider your heart. Consider what's going on in your heart. Consider the heart of restoration. Why? Earlier uh, in, in Matthew, again in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, 
Jesus said, you have heard it said of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother, calls him Raka in the, in the, new, in the King James. What the heck is that? Raka, that's a cuss word? What, are you, what is that? I don't know. I don't call my brother Raka. I know that. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, Raka, you'll be liable to the, to the hell of fire. And the word there is a smoldering fire, Gehenna. So if you are, and then he says, if you're going to offer your gift and leave it and come back, and that, that's where that whole thing. The idea is if this heart, what is your heart? If you're going to insult them, if your heart is to constrain them, to whip them up, it starts there. You and I have to have a heart of reconciliation. I got to check my heart, as John Christ would say. Check your heart. I, I got to do this. You have to do this. Check your heart. Check your heart as you're dealing with offense. My heart is raging sometimes. Man, I praise God when it's, you know, pursuing the Lord and I want what's right. I'll be honest with you. I got to go to a, a Nationals game a couple of nights ago. Well, it was a week ago. They're playing the Atlanta Braves. We won that one. The lost the two after that. But anyway, we won the one I went to. Praise God. But Atlanta fans, are you, how many Atlanta fans are here? I bet y'all are some of the sweetest Atlanta fans there are. I, I'm sure of it. The people I was sitting next to, not so much. Okay? They didn't represent y'all well. They, this guy was vaping. You know what I'm talking about, that vaping stuff? What? okay, that's your deal. Okay, that's no problem. But don't blow in my face. He literally was and just blowing it right at me. My wife and my kids right there. He's cussing. He was carrying on and, and everything. Some, something good happened. I expect him to cheer, but he was like, he literally look at me because I got my Nats hat on, and he was just he's just trying to, oh, yeah, look at us, right in my face. I was just like, honey, I'm thinking violent thoughts right now. <laughs> he's literally half my size. I could probably ball him up and chuck him. Like I, And she's like, Matt, you're a pastor. Um, I was like, I know. He needs Jesus. He, he's going to really need Jesus when I get done with him. But... <laughs> But I got, I got to check my heart. I got, see, I got to check my heart because that's where I was like, and I, I, I was like, help me, Lord. I, and, and, and I, Lord, just, you know, fix me up. And, and I dealt with him. I, was, I thought I had to think of more creative ways to get to him. And like I said, we won. So we, as we were cheering, he was all, you know, mad dog. And I'm, oh, we did so good, didn't we? We did so good. So proud of those natties, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But listen, gang, we live in a culture. We live in an outrage culture. Everything in the news, everything in media is designed to cause you and I to rage. And here's the thing. We're supposed to be different. We, are, we live in this world. We're supposed to be different than the rest of the world. Everything you click on the internet is designed to get you to another site, to another site, to another site, to be more offended, to be offended here, and to get more offended by going here, and more offended by going there. It's why? Because it, it feels good to be. I am justified. I am I'm doing something positive for the community if I'm offended by... No, you're not. You're just full of rage. 
And we're called to be different from the world. We're called to impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're called to be different. So we have to resolve our issues in the house of God so we can be equipped to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ when we leave this place in the mission field. So we're called to be different. We have to resolve. That's this process, you guys. Again, James tells us every good and perfect gift is from God. The church is a gift from God. It's to be kept pure and lovely and beautiful. The relationships here, they're they're a gift. We're to preserve them. That's why we have these processes. Satan's subtle is strategic. It's subtle, though. He's so so. He doesn't announce that he's coming. He doesn't tell us, I'm about to offend you, I'm going to wallop you. No, he's, he's just come so subtly. And most of us, our offenses happen one little offense at a time. And all of a sudden, one little toothpick becomes two, becomes a stick, becomes a log. And all of a sudden, we're, we're just all out of whack. Let's allow the Lord to minister to us. Let him help us destroy offense. Again, you have to choose. Make the choice. To, to follow God. Offense is an occurrence. Being offended is a choice. Let's choose to follow the Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this process. Lord, even right now, no doubt some of us are going through our mind trying to de- decipher whether it, it's something that we've been offended by or whether there's an offense that we see a brother who's just stumbling in, Lord, and we have to have some conversations there, Lord. I pray for discernment. I pray, I pray for wisdom. Lord, and I pray for your great grace to cover every one of the situations that we're walking through, Lord. We need your grace. We have no right to call ourselves Christians without it. We have no right to go to a brother or sister without bathing them with grace. We have no right to confront someone without first praying for them earnestly. So Lord, fill our hearts with love. Give us the joy of our salvation, Lord. We can't have the joy of the, of the, of the Lord and just that quiet confidence in who you are and what you've done if we are so easily offended, Lord. Give us thick skin and tender hearts, God. Help us to go into this world equipped with your gospel, quick to forgive, slow to anger, representing you with our tone, with our attitude, with the tact in which we handle things. Help us to to make an impact in this world, Lord. We know you can do it. We trust you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.